Hey guys, Nathan from the future here. I'm super excited to introduce the first episode of our new show, The Mind Melders Podcast. It's a brand new series with myself and my co-hosts, Eric and Justin. Uh, I think we've got a lot to bring to the table here in terms of quality of commentary, but I just wanted to also note that this podcast is very young, and so very much a work in process as we adjust audio levels, uh, come up with interesting topics, and even enunciate better. Uh, so with that being said, I truly hope you guys enjoy our first episode number one of the Mind Melders podcast. Here we go. So welcome to Filler Feed number 599, or whatever the hell number this is. Um, so this one goes out to all you folks stuck at home, bored out of your mind. Hopefully we can, hopefully our, our jokes and riffing can assage your sweet, sweet soul a little bit. Um, my name is Nathan. I'm some guy living in Minnesota. That's all that you really need to know about me. Uh, and I'm joined by Eric and Justin. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm also just a guy in Minnesota getting my (laughs) master's degree. And I'm just chilling, man. I'm a gamer. Gamer. In the protected class. Yeah. <laughs> protected class, huh? Yeah, don't you know? <laughs> and Justin? Uh, yeah, I'm Justin. I'm also a dude. I am getting my bachelor's in psychology. Plan to go on for probably counseling or clinical psychology. Haven't really decided yet. And I am also oh, a gamer. So who, like, I know that psychologists like to interview people and kind of get inside their head. Who would you right. most like to interview, Justin? Ooh. Like out of people I know or anybody? Out, okay, let's, I mean, out of people you know and people dead or alive. For example, I will say Jesus. It's it's a hard <laughs> one to beat Jesus. Right. That's like a classic. I feel like that's everybody's answer, kind of. Like yeah. everyone would kind of want to meet Jesus just to like, you know, wrap up all the questions. But like, the thing is, nobody would believe me ever, right? No, They'd yeah, be like, sure. this no guy is full of dog shit <laughs> <laughs> for what's coming out of his mouth right now. Oh, man. That's a really tough question, honestly. Um, as far as people I know, probably... I have a family member who works pretty high up at Cargill and he never really talks much. So I'd like to get to know him more. I mean, he does a lot. Like he's the, the deputy consul for Europe. So he's, he's knows a lot of crazy shit. I mean, he's been to Africa a couple of times. Oh, I'd wow. Like he's not one of those guys that like poses with a lion, right? He's like, no, 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 no. One of the cool guys. Okay. But like he, he told me once about driving through, I think it was in Egypt and they had to like, pay off the police because they got stopped and they had like armed guards in their car wow crazy shit that's wait so they had like ak-47s and like yeah yeah full full assault gear yeah like he had full assault gear personal security dude it's it's like russia from the 80s yeah this is (laughs) yeah so i'd like to get no to know more about him but yeah dude i don't think i ever will I have no idea as far as people. Life is on an like, NBA I don't know. by Cargill. Like, oh, yeah. Not yeah. Sure yeah. Like... <laughs> so, I mean, secondarily, I think I would want to interview somebody who will probably die tomorrow. I think I think that and would like, be a really, really interesting perspective. Like someone on their deathbed, you mean? Or like someone who doesn't yeah. know? 
Yeah, let, let's just wave our magic wand and say that we can predict when somebody's going to die. I would say, like, if somebody is coherent and they can, like, speak to me, I would want to know, you know, like, what... Like, what they're feeling. What they think, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been... I actually have been reading uh, a book on gerontology, which is, like, the study of aging. Uh, it's called yeah. Being Mortal. Um, and I actually wanted to talk about it uh, tonight, but we'll get into that a little later, but... Yeah, that would be fat. I mean, there is like something like I feel like I've heard stories of like there's a vibe when you're like super close to dying. Like there's something in the air that just feels like different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's just like I don't know what that is, but like um, it would be interesting to experience that. I think in... Let, let's just pick an arbitrary time frame, but let's say one, one week before your death, you should mentally have accepted that you are going to die. Like, like you should have some, some weird time of like peace to yourself to like reconcile the fact that like, this is it. Boom. You know, because yeah. people, so like one, I guess one of the things that the book talks about is like basically how, how modern medical technology has made it such that we can sustain people's lives to a point far beyond what should be possible right you can have he he actually did describe an anecdote of of a female patient who was like eight in their mid 80s uh who had tubes coming out of every single orifice in her body and then some artificial ones right in order to either keep her lungs working uh uh inject nutrients and and foodstuffs into her body um and so he kind of gave this like horror scenario where it's like okay well if you don't basically get to the point where you can just turn the switch off aka you know euthanize yourself or kind of accept that mentally then you're headed down this terrible almost zombie-like path where we let doctors keep uh trying to prolong our lives and basically that's the importance of hospice care is the focus is not so much on prolonging life but it's actually easing the patient's suffering and reconciling that that time that you have left is not going to get longer that's insane yeah so like what is that what does the last bit of time look like for most people like, For is it just kind people, of like, is it just kind of like basically drifting in and out of consciousness, probably hooked up to several machines, but like what, like we have, to, we value that for a specific reason, right? Like you said, like we do that to improve the quality. Like there's a time window of like, we know you're going to die soon. Right. Yeah. But like, we want to extend this for X reason. Right. Do you think that's like, ethical to artificially extend life? I oh, would think no. so. Really? Absolutely not. So I, I'm, I'm with Nathan on this. I don't think it's right. I think it depends on what that looks like, what the time period looks like. Because, like, if you're suffering and like you're barely a human, um, then like maybe not. But like, if you're if that time is being used to like, um, like have last communications with your family or like. You know what I mean? Like if there's yeah, final yeah. things that you yeah. can wrap up about being alive that you yeah. just want to like, you know, finish 
So, so, so you would want to make an exception to just general end of life activities, mm-hmm. like whether legal or, you know, like I'm, family I mean, I'm, visiting. So. Yeah. Or like religious or what, you know, whatever that looks like for the person. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I understand that like my mom has always said this. I don't know. She's, she's like, if I'm, if I'm like, if I've kicked the bucket, just let me die. You know, yeah. like, don't, <laughs> don't make it like a big deal. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's how I feel it going, which I didn't understand. Right. Um, I, I th- it probably depends. Like this, is, this gets really in the weeds. Cause like, um, you know, at what point is a person like no longer to able to make the decision for themselves? And what does that look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so but- there it, actually, that is one thing that, that is kind of a problem is that, um, let's, the majority of people don't have those end of life wishes set in in writing basically pre-thought of as they head to the emergency room and so as a doctor without any final direction especially if families aren't willing to give you a direction on 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 care decisions for the patient then they're going to be conservative and and prolong somebody's life right um if you if you say and and that's honestly why it's important to drop a will actually i i typed out some things as to like how i would distribute my belongings the other day just just like from reading this book i'm like holy shit i can't have this happen to me like i'm 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 eating mcdonald's through a straw over here like i don't know and then and then shitting it out through a straw i'm sure too but um so actually and uh eric i think i'm giving you all of my books by the way what so. nice. <laughs> yeah uh, because I feel like you appreciate the thirst for knowledge and not, to, I'm not calling you, you know, uh, some like nerd Love or anything. Oh, he's calling, you a nerd. <laughs> he's calling you a nerd. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting thought. Like I, I have probably thought about like one of the things that I think about a lot is like I journal digitally like a lot. Right. That's good um, for you. And so, yeah, for sure. Um, but like, uh, like what, what happens to that when I'm, that's the only thing that I think about of like, what's going to happen when I'm dead? Like what happens with this journal? Right. Like, I don't really give a shit about my stuff, but I do care. Like, I mean, that's pretty like narcissistic of me. Right. Like I would obviously give my stuff to my kids or whatever, but like, yeah. um, my thoughts are really what, yeah. Uh, like I'm, I, that's <laughs> the shit that I think would be interesting for other people to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like if my if I had if I had my parents a journal, I, like I'd be stoked about that. Oh yeah, like just to like, like go through and like see what they were thinking about and like the types of stroke because like all of my journal entries are like, um, masturbated you know, for the fifth time today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spitting dust. Jesus. <laughs> no, but they are kind of like dumb, trivial shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. And I have. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was pretty much done. Oh, okay. Like, I have yeah. definitely written down very high thoughts that I thought were like really insightful and deep when I was high at the time. And then like the next morning I wake up and I'm like, am I literally autistic? Am I, yeah. d- do I have some sort of memory deficit problem? Like <laughs> I'm writing like I'm from the, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I noticed that my writing quality goes down, but the quality of the thoughts are still there somewhere. So like, I wish I was like you, Eric, in in that I journal all the time, Um, because to me, having that for your kids is very important. Like if you wrote a book, like like take like Tom Papa, right? 
He just like yeah. wrote a book about his own experiences and made it funny and entertaining. Like yeah. as a kid, that's exactly what I would want from my parents. For sure. Yeah. Like all the funny stories about like the dumb shit they did in college. Like I want to know that stuff. But like, how do you bring that up? You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe you just ask and they just like fuck it. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. But I feel like I've tried to ask and there's been like some like we don't talk about that. <laughs> you know what i mean too many skeletons in the closet yeah yeah, yeah. really i, I, don't, I have a different experience with that like, i mean i think yeah i'll get go ahead um, oh, i was just gonna say my parents have always been pretty open about that so I, you know i've heard all the crazy stories of what my parents <laughs> did in high school they're they've always been so open i i think it really comes down to your parents you know not your parents specifically but how they like, choose to i don't know i think you should be open with that though because it makes you more human to your kids you know yeah 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 would you be willing to to share one of those stories uh i don't think i should let's just say (laughs) all the stuff that we've done together my parents have done far worse yeah okay i mean that's just that gives me a good starting point (laughs) yeah but like um yeah do the uh, talking about like that it does make your parents seem more human which is like I feel like there is totally a point uh, like when you hit a certain age, like late high school or like early college, like when you move out that you like begin to, or maybe people earlier, I don't know. Um, But like you realize that your parents are not like what you thought they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. They are actually just like monkeys who have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And like. um, And that's even without drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dude, I think I think it should be a requirement that on the first day that you walk into the Oval Office as the president of the United States, you take a massive bong rip and then eat about two grams of mushrooms. Oh, and God. then the CIA is going to sit you down, right? And, they, and they're going to talk through all the <laughs> shit. <laughs> Dude, okay. Do you guys watch Joe Rogan at yeah, all? Yeah. Okay, uh, so he yeah. on, Okay. So Tom O'Neill, I believe, was the guy's name. He he's this guy that spent twenty years writing this book on on Charles Manson and basically how he is for sure connected to a huge program called I think it was like Project uh, MK Ultra. MK Ultra, exactly. Um, and how like it, basically, so he he was let out of jail. Um, and and also most likely was supplied LSD to use on his like maniac cult because this guy was it's it's thought that he was basically given a large doses of LSD by the CIA. And then this like psychologist and, and team of doctors basically convinced him to become this. I don't know what their goal was, but they wanted to create kind of like a. Um, a, a a memory forgetting device, basically, where where yeah. you can you can put somebody through a specific treatment program, and then they would um, have forgotten okay. all of their memories, supposedly. Dude, MK Ultra is a rabbit hole. There is like the shit that they did is like insane, um, and like all, a lot of it was like for like um, like they wanted specific um like warfare type weapons like they like one of the i remember one of the main things that they were kind of looking at is like mind control like how do we really convince someone of yeah. something yeah um 
or like convince someone to do something. And they did think that like LSD was the big like uh like numero uno weapon for that. Uh and so yeah, they would like take prisoners and like uh people in the army and just like feed them all this all these crazy like way too high doses and just like see what happens, you know. I like, I wonder unethical. Do you guys remember um Abu Ghraib? It was mm-hmm. that super fucked up uh military internment camp that was eventually exposed to have like tortured uh prisoners of war that are particularly from the Middle East. So like basically like the baddest of the bad that we have essentially. But um man, I actually want to find more interesting information on that. I don't I don't know enough to, to if if you just Google Abu Ghraib spelled G H R A I B, um, it details all of this like prisoner abuse. Which okay, I I will say that these guys were terrorists and probably committed absolute terrible things. But from the Wikipedia, it says quote these violations included physical and sexual abuse torture rape sodomy and murder the abuses came to public attention with the publication of photographs of the abuse by cbs news in april 2004 i think i did hear about this yeah it sounds familiar so basically connecting that back to um, mk ultra right so like what drugs were these guys given that we don't know about or maybe that we do know about yeah or even just like what like all this stuff is meant to do all this psychological warfare, right? Yeah. Um, which is just so fascinating, like and f- like really unethical, like really fucked up. Um, but that yeah, like a lot of MK Ultra was based on, like they they said they did high, administration of high doses of LSD electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, abuse, and other forms of torture. It's kind of spooky to think that, like... A little bit. Okay, so I have a hypothetical for you guys. Okay. Would you rather... Because we we all agree that the government has to do some shady shit to keep the world going, right? I mean... Oh, absolutely. Okay, so would you rather know everything the government does like would you rather they be transparent or would you rather it be the way it is now where we find out you know 10 20 30 years later i would absolutely want to know now because you can prevent atrocities from happening before they actually happen and i think that if you if i don't know i don't even know a lot of power I don't Sorry, even know man. if I agree with the initial premise that like the government has to do some. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like maybe has sneaky, to. some sneaky reasoning there, Justin has to is too strong, but does. Yeah. But I know Let's what you mean. Say they like, do. Yeah. Well, like to some degree, I mean, that's kind of just the world we live in at the moment. You know what I mean? Right. We can't just avoid war. You know what I mean? Right. But would you rather know about it or would you rather just be kept blissfully ignorant? Like me personally, or like yeah. the world? No, you so, personally. So I would love to know about it, man. Like I feel like it's yeah. just fascinating, especially and, if I could figure out like things that they've found out, right? Yeah. Like if I if like, um, you know, like the whole alien thing happened, like a few days ago. Did you guys hear about that? The Pentagon, what? like they like officially released that it's not aliens, but like that 
they they like these UFO videos came out a while back. Oh yeah, yeah. And they like officially that. confirmed that those are real. Yeah. Basically. Um. And so. What? Like, if they know something way more about that, and I were somehow in the know, that would be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be into that. You could actually, in theory, become a billionaire off of selling information. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I, and to me, information has always equated to more power. Um, yeah, for sure. So if, if you have all of the information on the planet, you're more powerful than Fox News. You're more powerful than CNN. The The key is getting people to believe you. So you'd have to make a, a crazy prediction and have it come true. And you'd yeah. have to do that a few times uh, for people to even you know pay attention to you. What about you, Justin? Would I rather know? Um, for sure. Like for, for me personally, yeah, I, I would like to know. But on the grand scheme, I think it's probably better if we're all kept blissfully, blissfully ignorant because I don't, I don't know how people would handle, yeah, like everything. What do you do with that information? Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, mo like most people would just be spooked out of their mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, what would be the so. first thing that you look up? You're giving the entire access to the NSA database, just like Edward Snowden pre whistleblowing days. I'd love to know like what they're doing right now. Like what's the thing that they're like really working on? You know what I mean? That they're like the thing that they're what focused do you mean? on. Now. Like what's the like weird like MK Ultra of today, right? Like what's the the like scientific thing that they're like really trying to get on to the bottom of right now? Yeah. Um I mean, I bet it's something to do with like surveillance. Like the NSA thing yeah. is like a, a now thing, right? And yeah, it's kind of the version of it. But um. so if if a if a private company like Google is able to develop things like quantum computing and just like and super ultra advanced topics that like only point one percent of the world can wrap their head around, what does the defense agencies what what are they capable of? Right, like if I mean there's got to be some superior form of weaponry that that has not been shown to anybody right that only maybe five people in the world know about yeah um, well even like i think like google as an example when they make tech advancements um it this obviously depends but sometimes they actually just get released right on purpose like it's like we made this thing internally and we think that this would help the ecosystem of tech. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But like the government doesn't, I feel like if it was like a top secret thing, you know, or like a really important, like really powerful thing, they wouldn't just do that. Right. No, no like, way. What crazy, you're right. Like what crazy powerful thing do they have under their hands? Potentially, you know, who knows? But. I think it's, if anything, the possibility of bioweapons um, is, always a threat like I, I don't think um like obviously the coronavirus is not a a bioweapon i think yeah. that that there's enough evidence that has been revealed and enough experts in the field saying this is just you know a, a traditional 
illness or virus, whatever you want to call it. But um, we definitely have labs with bioweapons in them, right? Yeah, that, that are that are located like a mile underground or, or some shit. Um, the question is, like, if if you were president of the United States and you had access to this horrific weapon, but effective weapon, like, do you press the button? I wouldn't. There's no way. I think yeah, that's just a step too far. I probably wouldn't either. I, I mean, like it's it's kind of like like if you're Kennedy in the Cuban Missile Crisis, like do you press the button? Yeah, it's and like and probably, I probably more complicated. <laughs> but like I, that's I mean, I can't even imagine myself in that situation. Like I'm, so, I am so not that type of person. Like I yeah. do not want to be making those decisions. So well. To me, I would I would have to examine like like everything that I know, like like what what does it mean to be a human like existing on this planet? Like, do I put my loyalty to my country so far above, let's just say, like six million people's lives that might be lost if you drop a nuclear bomb? Like what what do you actually value as a person and and how do you quantify the loss of that life in your own, um, I guess, psyche like so that you are, are you haunted at night by by what you do you know it's like you you have to weigh these things in your mind of like do i want to deal with this for the rest of my life this guilt this terribleness yeah. so there, go ahead has there been like a like a case study of that like have people i'm sure there's been books written about this but like have we talked to the presidents and been like are you okay <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's why Joe Biden called. memory memes are so popular yeah, right now, I, right? <laughs> I don't think they are okay. I mean, do you see how much they age in eight years? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And yeah. our two candidates coming up, I think, do the they set a record boys. for like oldest presidents? I uh, no, I, I don't think that's true. Uh, how old is Joe? 77. Jimmy Carter is 95. He is the longest living president. Oh, He's currently you mean, uh, okay. Not yeah. he was. Yeah. Dang. You know, I had I had a goal when I was a little kid of living to the age of 100 just because I feel like it's a it's a very round number and it'd be a good time for me to kind of be like, you know what? That was a good go. You know, like, like we made it boys. (laughs) Um, but like, do you really want to live to be a hundred? Like, what would you, what age would you guys prefer to like, what, what, when would you be satisfied that you are exiting this world? An an age? Yeah. I I don't know. I think like mid eighties is probably a good life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's weird cuz like I mean it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. It's it's weird to imagine what that is even like because I've only been around for like 23 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and like, you know, how how many of those are me like m- like modern adult me? Like very few, right? Like 5. Yeah. Or 6. Uh-huh. Dude, there there are people working at companies that have worked there for longer than you've been alive. I know. And you know, what's hilarious is that that's kind of common. Like 
people it 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 puts things into perspective the amount of experience people have over me in the workplace sometimes like i'm still in my fourth month of my job and it's just like man you've been here since the 80s holy smokes no wonder you know more than me like i can i can kind of relax internally and be like yes this person is supposed to be better than me yeah so it's like comforting in a way dude speaking of that um i was listening to this podcast last night where they were talking about like um meritocracy do you guys know what that is yeah uh yeah and like how basically the culture that we've created around work is becoming like a little um dysfunctional because like there is sort of this feeling as like a 20 year old that like going into the workforce i have to be like as prepared as humanly possible not only to like to compete with the other people that are trying to go into the job that i want Mm -hmm. but like um I don't know. There's this vibe of like, even though you've been in the workplace for as long as I've been alive, I am somehow not doing right by not knowing as much as you, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. For some reason there's this, like, there's this drive that we have to be like, um, like, I don't know what the, well, I'm not explaining it very well, but like the, basically the idea is like meritocracy seems like a good idea in theory, um, which I think it, it's still like a good, I think you should still strive to be good at the thing that you're doing, but like to some degree we've like, we've like culturized it. Like now it's like a thing that we, that it's like how we think it's, about our days and our time. It's, um, it's kind of the, the diving board after college. Like you, you spend high school and college climbing up the ladder. And then once you jump off into that first job, like everything you've you've kind of built in, in in your academic life leads up to that first job and there's yeah. high expectations is that kind of what you're saying yeah and like it never ends <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? no it's yeah. like if you it's... if you jumped off the ladder and then you landed on another ladder <laughs> you know what i mean yeah exactly <laughs> but and then you realize that the pool is actually above you and you're like, oh, wait, I have seven more ladders to climb. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> and actually dying is like me just floating off into space and I never actually jump off into anything. Yeah. It all just ends. Yeah. Shit, man. But like, what I, do you think about like what like do you think that it's a good thing that we like that we're all sort of like there's this pressure to to kind of constantly be improving and constantly like competing to be the best at the field that we're aspiring to? Or do you think that like, it would be better if we just like stuck to like a 35 hour work week or a 40 hour work week. And then just like fucked off the rest of the time and just like did, you know what I mean? And just like did whatever we wanted. Um, I think I agree with what you said earlier that in theory it's good, but we've we've sort of over indexed on it and it's kind of too extreme at this point. And I'm I'm honestly not sure how to walk it back at this point. Yeah. So like one of the things that they were talking about on the podcast was like, um, now that it's like cultural, it's way, way too hard to like walk back. Like you yeah. said, like there's no way that we could really know how to do that because it's just like a part of how we relate socially yeah it it is for sure 
I mean, what's the first question you ask someone? Yeah, or when you're introducing yourself, what do you say? I work like, here. Do do? Yeah. I do this. Yeah. It's it's part of who we are. For yeah. Sure. So I mean, I would I would want to be one of the people who take pride in that though. Like like you you kind of commit yourself to your role and you say like, yes, if I am gonna be known as working for 3M, then I wanna be the best goddamn engineer that 3M has ever hired, you know? I I, I think I there's like some... that like there is definitely something to like, I'm going to do good work. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to commit myself to like doing this well. Um, and like, regardless of what comes of that, like that's just a value that I think is good. But so, like, sometimes that gets construed into like, I need to work 80 hours or like, um, I need to be so good that I'm better than this guy that I work with or this girl that I work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's, I I think that with our current standard of living, um, forty hours should be kind of a target, or or, or thirty five, because you have to like to me that's the exact balance between kind of balancing our leisure time and 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 being rewarded from our quality of life than working for it. Um, but I will say that people are internally a lot more desperate than they look. So let's say that the economy has fallen on hard times, right? People are getting laid off left and right. People will become more desperate and and willing to work for, for less money if that means that they can continue to survive and, and provide for their family. Um, so I, I forget where I was originally heading with this. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, the benefits and negatives oh, of you- extreme meritocracy. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, you you you're saying so like basically um I guess what I'm kind of reading from your statement Eric was like um how how hard should we push ourselves? And I think the answer is that people will push themselves however hard they however they will utilize their capabilities the best they can in the best way that they can you know, keep supporting themselves and their loved ones. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Cause like, like myself, if I think about my personal experiences, like that's definitely not how I approach how much I should work. Yeah. I, I disagree with that completely. Actually. Like, I think I if, like... if people ahead, are given like an open end, you can, you can work as hard as you want to achieve as much as you want. I don't think most people will stop. Honestly. Even yeah. if they have their standard standard of living, even if they can provide for their family, I think I you're think right in that. Pushing, like, pushing. sometimes the demand for that, like you said, you mentioned that, like, if if like if we think about the crisis right now, for example, like this is definitely going to make people have to work harder to maintain their standard of living, right? I think it yeah. can go that way, where it, like it demands more just to maintain a standard of living. But I feel like if we, if we think about it from like the other perspective, like how far could we go? Like I am always like pushing my own limits about this stuff and like demanding more um, for like seemingly no reason. Right. Like, it's not like I'm going to make like a better, like I'm my standard of living is going to go way up from doing that. Right. It just seems like kind of a thing, like either like a natural tendency or like a cultural drive. I don't know. So you're saying like your standard of living won't go up if you're like locked into a salary? 
Or like, is, is, is this in the context of a job? So like, here's an example, like my master's, me getting my master's degree likely will not improve my salary that much. Like in the grand scheme of things, if I got a software development job versus a data science job, like the numbers in the news are higher. But like, if we look at reality, the jobs that I'm capable of um, in both contexts are pay roughly the same. Right. Okay. Um, so, but like I'm spending two extra drudgingly awful years, <laughs> right. To like get this degree. Uh, and part of the reason I want to do that is cause it's interesting and I like it. And, but also part of the reason is cause I want to push myself to like learn more and to be able to, to do things that I previously wouldn't do. Right. Right. So like my standard of living isn't going up, but like my demand for myself is Does that make sense. Yeah. And that those things are not the same. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So like, so like that basically like your, your pursuit of your master's degree is, is almost entirely, um, um, self value driven kind of just because it's something that you find valuable and you're essentially increasing your mental horsepower because of it. Yeah. But like that, I mean that like my argument is that, um, that seems to be kind of an endless thing that is sort of demanded of all of us right now. That, oh, like, okay. You know what I mean? That constant, like, I have to one up myself or one up others. So, I mean, are you okay with perpetual work, like the similar quality of, of work being done, basically? Like, no, no more innovation, no more. I don't know. Um, That's a good question. Like, like how how much of our additional economic expansion can be attributed to people just working their ass off and, and being yeah. the 1% that gets yeah. 50% of the work done, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know because it's like kind of relating to your side of the argument a little bit. I mean, if, if we kind of take that to the extreme where we say, okay, now, now let's, let's imagine a society in which it's institutional where from birth until basically you're 22 years old, you're, you're told like stretch yourself as far as you can go uh both both in terms of like learning and development um i guess how do you negate kind of the the negative effects of of having all of that pressure on you um to kind of i don't know what i'm trying to say here yeah like is there (laughs) like like, i feel like you're almost asking the question like could we optimize this optimizing process like like could we do it without it being a shitty thing. Let's take it to the fourth dimension. Yeah. We're doing triple uh, calculus. No, what's the fu- what's the opposite of calculus? Um, diff EQ is that? I don't know if that's the opposite, but it's integrals. It's, integrals. The well, right. wait. Integrals is part no. of uh, integrals are the opposite of derivatives, which yeah. are both yes. calculus. Yes. So yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, sorry. Just randomly switching topics here. Um, you guys are about to have your mind blown because I don't know if you've ever heard of um, one blue, three brown. Oh, I have. I have not. Yeah. It's three so, blue, one brown, I think. Three three blue, one brown. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely correct. So this was recommended by Eric Weinstein, um, who is like a very prominent mathematician and, and physicist and like general smart guy on Joe Rogan's podcast. But basically what this channel is, is it makes visual all of the theories of like, of like diff EQ of calculus of, of physics 
and um he has some really spectacular stuff so i mean we don't need to watch video or anything i i just wanted to quickly recommend this to both you guys and whoever might be listening. as many of you know but um it is it is an absolute treat to like watch basically how can we visualize light as um a wave right mm -hmm. so like light is expressed basically in a simulation as as um you know however you think about it as a wave and yeah his his video so a couple things which i think is fucking awesome about this guy is he built the visualization software that he uses in all of his videos he made wow. it right? i did not know that yeah. holy smokes so like this guy's fucking dope um wow but like and so the other thing is uh like he's talked a lot about math education i feel like he is one of the only people that i know that does math education right like he seems to be like on top of how people think about these things and how to get people engaged because like everybody has the experience of trying to learn math and being like this is fucking dumb like what nobody right. cares about this right but like the way that he presents it just makes you so fucking fascinated with like, right. st like very meaningful. Like one of his, I think is literally his most popular video is called the hardest problem on the hardest test. And it's about, um, it's about like, if you were, if you had a sphere and you picked four random points on the sphere and made a polygon out of those points, what's the probability that the center of the sphere is in that polygon, right? So like, Jesus, it's a complicated question, but like it has no relevancy in reality, right? Yeah. But it's just fascinating. It's like, how would we even think about answering this question? And he goes through it, like all the math and shit. Yeah. And the, the key to kind of keeping that comprehensive learning uh, going in his videos, to me, like the key lies in the fact that he breaks everything down into very very small pieces like he'll take he'll he'll take a huge huge formula and basically like get rid of most of it and start with like one variable and be like this variable means this and then he'll like draw an animation in the software and kind of like explain how it changes um as you kind of change the variable and then like you you take that and then keep connecting it and connecting it and and at the end you've built up this this base of knowledge where like now I kind of do have an idea of how a neural network works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the sphere thing though, I can't, I I'm having like a hard time visualizing that. That's just kind of fun to play around. In yeah, my well, head. He, he started <laughs> with like, okay, well what if we did the same problem, but it was three points and a circle. So like we removed the fourth or the third dimension. Right. Um, right. And just like, we tried to solve this problem. And so he, then he does that and it's like super fucking, I don't know. He's really good. I just love him. Does good shit. Yeah, these videos are great. I've been watching one in the background while you guys were talking because I'd never heard of them. But yeah, they're they're very nicely put together. I yeah, mean, and his like his so his software is open source. So like, oh really? You could just get wow. it right and like use it to do math um, visualizations, which I think is super cool. Dude, math professors are creaming in their pants. Right I know. Now. I follow some like <laughs> physicists and shit on Twitter, and I see a lot of them use it. Like you can tell, um, which is sweet. oh, that's awesome. That's cool. I, I I love. I I will say the one thing is like his little animation dudes in the shape of pie are like so <laughs> shittily animated in all of the yeah. videos. They do like one little 
hmm yeah blink and then that's it so like obviously his after effects guy needs to put in some overtime here so we can spruce up these animations but that's just like a little thing that i think is more funny than i'm actually critical of uh do we need a new topic sure uh there's something i wanted to talk about if you don't mind yeah absolutely i would like to talk about valorant if we could bring that that's been a huge part of my life the last couple weeks i'm all ears so I guess just as a, I, have you watched any of it, Nathan? I mean, yes, I know. I've I've watched. Uh, actually, sadly, I I fell victim to the uh, beta access key shenanigans. So I had Twitch open for like fourteen hours one day trying uh-huh. to get a beta, a beta key. <laughs> Eric and I got really lucky. I mean, yeah, we, we both did. got our keys within like hours of each other. Yeah, it was day yeah. one too. Yeah, so, like, yeah, pretty insane. Yeah, but. I don't know. I was I was just curious what your guys' general thoughts are on the game. Uh, okay, having having seen like ha- having had no actual gameplay, I've heard that the toxicity in this game is really bad. It's actually True. not at least in so, my Really? Okay, okay. Like compared to League, it's it's not as bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like I just literally I just played a game of League today for the first time in a while. It was a ranked game and like um the amount of flame is like something I forgot. Like I pu- I blocked it in my mind. And then when I was back in the, <laughs> in the game, I was like, holy shit, this is bad. <laughs> right. Um, but like it's, it's, it can be, I think bad. it's a different kind of flame. It is. Yeah. Honestly. Um, but like, I don't know how it compares to overwatch. Cause that's another game where the competitiveness or the competitive matches have VCOM, right? Like you use, Yes, voice comms. and people yeah. will shit on you at any opportunity, especially it's, if you're the DPS, because DPS carries the game. Basically, it's definitely not as flamey as that. Like, yeah. oh, good. We do, do you a- think? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you no, think it's ahead. important to caveat that we haven't played ranked yet? Do you think that alleviates Maybe. some of the stress? I don't know, and like it's in beta, right? So like, yeah. So uh, it could be know. that everyone's just you know kind of down to learn the game and. I mean, I've definitely got flamed by some people who uh, like have obviously have some CS:GO experience, and me, who has none, is obviously worse at the game. So I've gotten flamed, but it's nothing like, you know, you should go die that I get yeah. in League of Legends. Yeah. It's just like, wow, you can't aim a gun, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I can't. So are the vast majority of kills made like with your weapon? Like like skills yeah, seem to yeah. me to be only visual enhancements. Yeah. They're they're Although, mostly utility. Like if you just think of utility in CSGO, it's okay. essentially the same thing. Yeah. I mean some of the ults are pretty I would say the, the ultimate abilities like you need kills or bomb plants or diffuses to unlock are more focused on kills generally. Yeah. But I'm showing gameplay in the background. This is really cool. The rest are more focused on utility. And I don't know. For me, I like it a lot because I never... I I always kind of wanted to get into CSGO, but it felt like such a knowledge gap where, you know, I was just too far behind to even try to bother playing. So Valorant for me is like everyone's starting from essentially square zero. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been fun to jump in and learn. XP, but like nothing. You know, it's a new game, so like everyone is still learning all the maps and all that stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think like already teams are signing players to be pros and, um, riot is, is already 
pretty adamant about this being a pro game. So like, um, I think it's going to be big. I don't know how big and like, you know, I've heard of some CSGO pros, not like kind of shunning it and thinking that it's not going to be as big as CSGO is. Um, but who knows, man, like it seems easier to pick up. Yeah, I, I would agree. Which yeah. I think is key to a successful esport. Like I think league is like, like I think the reason league is bigger than Dota is because of that. It's it like the way that it's presented seems easier to pick up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're not overwhelmed with like information. Kind of like like there yeah. th- there's a cap to how much information you need to know, basically. And like it's easy to learn, hard to master, right? Which is yeah. like. I feel like Dota and CSGO, to me at least, and this might just be my own bias, seem hard to learn, hard to master. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I, th- I think League and Valorant to some extent have a lower or a higher skill floor where you can just kind of like come in and you'll be, you'll be all right if you can understand, okay, this map does this, this character does this, yeah, this gun shoots in this way, you know what I mean? Whereas in CSGO, it's just like, I mean, I was talking to you, Eric, about some of the grenades they do in CSGO. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, like if I you look at a that. cloud and then turn your body 15 degrees to the left. Exactly. Exactly. Like that. I was watching Flom play, who's a, he's a pro CSGO or ex pro CSGO player. Um, and he played, he played like a ton of Valorant too, uh, which is kind of why I started watching him. But he was playing CSGO again today because Valorant was down. And I was like, just kind of putting on the background. And he, like, it was literally like every game. He was like, doing all these insane flashes and grenades and stuff. It's like pretty nuts. But I'm stoked about it. I mean, I want to play ranked. Yeah. Like ASAP. Yeah. Cause it just I'm, seems I'm like it's a fun it. game. So are there like ultimates? Yeah. Yeah. So if you were looking at gameplay, if you, it's the X ability is everyone's ultimate. It has like okay. little right. orbs under it. And I mean, they can be round winning in and of themselves. Like the one I play a character called Sage a lot and her ability is a res. So you just get like if someone died, you just get oh, wow. another, which is like in a 5v5 game, like search and destroy, where if you die, you're out. Like it's perfect for that. Right. Um, or I think like it might be a little broken. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> but like, that's kind of the fun of it, right? Yeah. yeah. That's why she's meta. And we'll probably I, be meta for a while. So the the character Jet I'm showing on screen, mm-hmm. his ultimate is where he like throws like five or six knives. Yep. Something yep. like that. So I'm guessing those are insta-kill. But I will say that if you can headshot on your AR, like that's actually not as fast as just a quick headshot with your gun. I don't know if that ultimate would be like that good. I think the it's knives faster. do more body damage and they're faster than the AR, aren't yeah. they? Oh, really? Okay. So it's one shot headshot and 30 damage to the body. Oh, is it only 30? I thought it was yeah. more. It takes oh, four wow. to kill, I think, or three. Three to kill, maybe. And you get them back if you kill somebody. Yeah. But the thing is the speed, right? It's yeah. always accurate. So, like, it's always at your There's thing. no recoil. Yeah. So, like, oh, okay. it's basically, like, if you do it right, it's basically a free kill. Um, like a deagle without any recoil. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Fuck the good. And they have, they have a deagle, too. They do. There's some much. recoil on that thing. Yeah, it's pretty nutty. But yeah, it's fun, man. It's uh it's definitely something I want to play like consistently. On top yeah, of like league or something. Sure. But 
Yeah. Um, do you guys have any opinions on their anti-cheat? Oh, I heard that it sits at root zero in your kernel. It yeah. does. <laughs> Which, like... That's a little crazy. So to quickly explain that to people, basically that means that no matter what, when your computer is on, um, the anti-cheat software is running. And it has full administrator privileges. So like, yes. it can do so, anything. Basically, let's say that a hacker was able to slip some malicious code into this anti-cheat software. Like it could it could wreck a lot of people's computers if improperly utilized. Yeah. I mean it's it's kind of I don't really know what to think of it. Like it's kind of a caught in a rock in a hard place because like their whole brand for this game like the almost the whole brand is competitive integrity. It's like this mm-hmm. game we've went through all the kinks of previous games so that like when you play you feel like like you, the reason you lost is cuz you suck, not because of the game, right? And like you oh, can right. get better and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like about like we want this to be like almost perfect for you. Right, right. Um, and like already they've kind of <laughs> that up a little bit with some you know, people complaining about some of the problems that they've claimed to fix not being fixed. But like, regardless of that, that's like their thing, right? So like, I can understand why they really want to hammer on this anti-cheat stuff. Um, but like, it is a little spooky, um, not from their side, but from someone else who could potentially hack that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, some some sweaty nerd with yeah uh, that's sitting on the <laughs> is just making his life about ruining like nine year olds in uh in in Valorant. So, and <laughs> that's the thing is like once once a game is compromised, like like take Modern Warfare Four on computer, right? Once the hackers took over that game, it is now dead. Right, mm-hmm. people move on immediately. So, well, and like the reason that that happens is because the game, the game company just stops putting money into it, right? Like it's like they don't care yeah. anymore. Like we'll just let it happen because we can't put the resources into it. So, like it always is kind of a game of catch up, because um, like someone finds a loophole and then they fix it, and then someone finds a loophole again and then they fix it again, and it's just like that until the end of time. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I do think it's important to caveat this discussion with the recent updates to Vanguard as well, where they made it they made it a lot more obvious with a system tray icon whether it was running or not, and you can quickly disable it from the system tray and uninstall it. So, <laughs> yeah, you so can it disable it. I mean, it forces you to restart if you disable it, which makes me think that it is disabled. I mean, I tried it. Yeah, like the game won't let launch, and it'll make you restart your computer. If you close it. And I mean, you can uninstall it at any time. It's in your installed programs. So I, I'm just, I'm not trying to be like a riot defender. I've had pretty lengthy discussions with Eric about this, where I don't really necessarily agree with what they're doing, but I, I think they're being as transparent with what it's actually doing as possible. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt until something yeah. goes wrong. Yeah respect basically innocent until proven guilty yeah exactly because we live in america exactly i do think that the they have like a technical 
solution to wall hacking, which I think is super cool, called Fog of War, where like oh. your your game client literally does not register people that are uh outside of the place that you could currently see, right? So That's like interesting. um I don't know exactly how it works, but like I think there's like an area around you. Um, cause it's, it's a little imperfect where like, if you peek, it has to have registered that someone's there before you peek, because like if you peek and then it registers and then it puts the person there, then you're dead. Right. Like that's just, or like, then you're like, all of a sudden someone's appearing on your screen and you're like, what the fuck? Right. That's right. not how this should work. Which uh, is sort of already happening at this point. I Sorry, mean, yeah, not, to, some, not to interrupt you. I just... There's some issues with like, uh, um, what's called peaker's advantage which is like a ping thing oh i um, i know yep so like but i think it's cool that like so that's a solution where like literally your game doesn't have access to the data of people on the other side of the map so like it's impossible for your for someone to hack that because you just don't have access to the data right hmm. like even if you got under the hood and could pull that out somehow like it's just not going to go you just don't have the right data that you yeah. need. Yeah. The, is is, cool. the question is how many more problems does that generate than, than yeah. it solves? Yeah. And like, I think they've worked it out mostly. I think the peaker's advantage is, is just a problem with, with ping. Like it's just cause they put out a video explaining how it works. Um, and like, it seems like it's, it's mostly about, when each player gets access to the information that the other player is there. Mm -hmm. um, and those are, oh, okay. if those are at a discrepancy, then one person just wins, right? Um, the trade. And then it's like, you're fucked. Right. So um, it's like syncing the timing of that. Pretty much. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. So like, are they inducing like it in an artificial lag in order to like level the playing field? So there's some predictive stuff. Like, I don't know exactly how that works, but they said that there's some ways that they can predict. So um, oh, it might do like, you know, I don't know if this is like a predictive model per se, but like um, there's ways that they can combat that. Um, and like they have they have said that like, you know, they're they're only using a specific type of server technology and they have their own internet service provider so they can like, like they literally riot owned and made internet service providers. So they can like oh, control really? a lot of things. Yeah. So like they control the wires Pretty coming much. In from the ocean. Yeah. Um, so like they, I mean, it seems like they're dumping a lot of money into that, which I think is cool. Um, I think we'll probably start to see these things get cleaned up over the course of the game. Being out. It is still in beta. That's important yeah. to remember. So, yeah. but it's a little, it's a, it's a, tight rope to walk because for sure they it's their brand right so if they fuck it up like they risk losing that which is yeah a lot like imagine if like league of legends flopped or originally when it was really really young and and nascent and you know how many how much hype and and money that they could have lost out on right so like planning out the development is is very very important obviously yeah. um 
kind of going off of that same uh, gaming tangent. So I sat with uh, our, our mutual friend, Taryn, and he uh, talked me through kind of the, the finer details of World of Warcraft. Uh, he streamed a raid with Josh on Discord, and I was kind of like asking him questions and everything. It seems really, really interesting. I don't know if I would still purchase um, an account for like the level 120 boost. Just- Sorry no. to interrupt you, but wait until Shadow ends. Just don't get involved in BFA. It's not worth it. Yeah, I okay. would wait. So um, he recommended the opposite because he was saying I could like kind of learn the ropes right now. And then eventually, once I have some experience under my belt, then an expansion would come out or like the next part or something. I think they're they're completely doing the one to max level leveling experience in Shadowlands to be more new player friendly. So if you want oh. the true, like, starting from level one experience, then I would wait. But if you want to just boost a 120 and, like, get into raiding in, I mean, like, my yeah. most recent alt character, it took me, I think, 10 hours played to be, like, heroic raid geared and ready to go. With so, the, oh, with the boost and then after the level? No, no, no. I mean, end. after I hit max level. So, like, if you boosted, you could be, like, ready to raid. I mean, it'll take longer for you because it's your first character. But I would say within a week, you could be, like, ready to go. So if okay. you want to experience, like, end game <laughs> stuff, you could come now. And it, it would be, like, good learning for Shadowlands. But if you want, like, a true, like, new player experience, I would just wait. Yeah. I just thought it was it was a really interesting experience because to me, having had no actual working idea of like what World of Warcraft was before I kind of saw the raid, um, it, to me it seems like a cross between basically like League of Legends and Payday Two, kind of like where Payday, no, not Payday Two. Uh, what am I thinking of? Kind of like a cross between um, Diablo and like League of Legends in a way. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, but there's a lot more detail to WoW than I initially gave it credit for. Like there's incredible amounts of things that you need to know. Like Josh and Taryn were kind of like describing to me how like even in this one raid, like you need specific knowledge of not only like how the mobs work and 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 their separate mechanics and stuff. Um, but like how to take on all of the bosses, what the current like status is for the week. Like I think this week is like, um, for that particular world was like sanguine or something oh. where like when all oh, you're talking about die. mythic plus not yeah. A raid. yeah 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 so i i sound like i know absolutely nothing about this <laughs> That's game, okay. which is the absolute truth but no i i think mythic plus is great i mean i don't personally enjoy it all that much but i think it's great for the game because it adds that like weekly variety difference. yeah it's, it's variety yeah. and it's hard like it, it is very i mean keys like it's not it's not like a like a you just stroll through and and if you're interested in that actually Nathan you should look up it's called the uh, Mythic Dungeon Invitational, it's like esports with Mythic Dungeons. Yeah. Is it all PVE? Yep. Yeah, but oh, they cool. it's basically like a race, right? It's like who yep. can get done the fastest. The two teams race against each other. Yeah. And I mean, like, oh, they're doing... that is actually really interesting. Yeah. So like. This is sort of a tangent that might not make sense to you, but right now you need to do it's a plus 15, so it's the base key, and then 15 levels higher to get, like, the highest reward. And those are difficult. Like, 
I mean, like, I can barely do them, and I'm fully heroic geared. I mean, I'm not the best player, but anyways, they're doing, like, plus 22s, which is... So, and it's, like, it's like each number level is just, it like, it just increases the percentage health and damage done and all that stuff. And then, right. like, for, like, a, you know, like, a bins of levels, they add those mechanics, right? So, like, the sanguine type things get added. Okay. Um, this and, like, after 10, cool. all of the mechanics are there um and then mobs just get harder and harder and harder and harder um so can can they scale basically infinitely and then kind of the maximum level that these competitions take place is just determined by like the 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 limits of what the players can do themselves yep. yeah and like what that's the game allows. oh that's awesome because like there's a maximum gear level that you can have so like you could be most highly optimized in terms of your gear yeah. And then if you're that plus how good you are as a player is like how how hard of a key you can do, basically. Yeah. So. And at that level, I'm guessing everybody's computing their probability of survival. I mean, and yeah. And rushing like pretty, in. Leroy! Like, you, you should see some of the stuff they do. I mean, if you, if you watch enough to get a cursory understanding of what's going on, they do some insane stuff. I mean, they'll pull like all of the ads before a boss into the boss fight with them and cleave them down perfectly and interrupt perfectly. And they'll all be doing like half a million DPS, you know, when Eric and I do like 60 or 70,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's insane. Yeah. I like, to me, the fascinating thing is when your margin for error becomes so razor thin that like, I mean, I wonder how many, you know, for, for, for each tournament that, that somebody wins, how many just heartbreaking, frustrating moments do you have where, like, you miss a skill shot or something? Or, like, oh, yeah. I don't even know if there are skill shots. That's how ignorant I am on this game. League is kind of like that, too, where, like, um, it, yeah, if, like, if you, the, the, especially at the professional level, like, it's just about who fucks up more, right? Exactly, yeah. It's, exactly. Like, if you just have, like, one tiny mistake, that can be the whole game. Right. Yeah, that's actually the like the one thing I'd recommend to people about watching esports because I don't know. Generally, I'm I'm not like a huge esports fanatic, um, but the one thing that is would make like my top five moments in terms of like watching like a Twitch screen Twitch stream would be watching that huge team fight like take place in that in that lcs stream when everybody's all at like level 18 and you're like it's all on the line right now and you're just like on the edge of your seat like any skill shot could end the game at that yeah. moment. it's pretty crazy man yeah those guys are like so good <laughs> it yeah i would much rather have a girlfriend <laughs> some, of them, some of them i bet. I mean i think a lot of them do because they make quite a bit of money yeah. that's yeah and you know they're like the best right they're like the best at what they do you know oh we it's could segue girl. into the the topic i was talking to you about earlier eric yeah. that's There's such a big segue. controversy in in esports right now with with that whole thing what so like one player got signed to a team who is whose president is his girlfriend so the team's president and seems like a conflict of interest. That's that's after a split of him mysteriously losing motivation 
Yeah. And having one of his worst performances in history. Yeah. So like he was with this team and they won like almost every single split that they played. For two years. For two years. And then wow. he started shit in the bed and then he got signed on his girlfriend's team midway through the year. I mean, so, isn't that how it all works, right? Who you know? I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> everyone is really upset. <laughs> Especially like if you're if, if you're a Team Liquid fan, I'd be pretty pissed. Like, because that was the team he was on before, and like if it if there's even a, like an idea in everyone's head that like he might have thrown on purpose, which like nobody fucking knows. But yeah, that's pure speculation. Yeah. But. Um, but, like, that would feel so shitty. Because, like, I don't know. They so had a how... rough season. What were we going to say? How do we feel about um, people who are training to be professional gamers? Because, here, like, how the times have changed is basically where, like, now there is an outlet for these guys to make money um, financially through things like Twitch and other things like that. But... Let's say that that you were just a really, really good player at like Overwatch, but not in the top one percent. Right. You're you're not like pro. Um, do you think that that's healthy for somebody to be playing that amount of video games to be the very, very best? And and we're kind of encouraging that um, when, you know, I, to me, it just seems like video game as a career means that you are constantly like just sitting at a desk kind of not forwarding yourself in life in any meaningful way, except for this one very specific thing. And so if you but, fail at that very specific thing, that's you know, true I, of all this. Yeah. Couldn't you like, say that about any professional? That's true. That's true. I think well, that, like, no, if you think no, about like music, see, what's different about like sports though, is that you, you're, you're physically healthy. You, you're, you're vital with, with life and strength. Well, and, and uh, but I think a lot of the, I mean, I suppose you're talking about someone training, but like a lot of the teams now, they have psychologists, they have gym memberships, they have chefs that cook. Part of them. being a good player is taking care of yourself. Yeah. So it's okay. not like it was sure. five years ago, 10 years ago, where they're like, it was like, you, you know, like the odd one, an old TSM it. player got scurvy because he only ate Subway. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. Six Holy months. shit. Is that real? Yeah, that's real. The, I I recognize that name. I used to. Wait, which team was he from? TSM. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> he got scurvy. Oh, that's fascinating. Imagine how bad your breath is when you have scurvy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so so like point being, I agree with you that if it's it's not managed properly it can be a problem but i think it's becoming more and more mainstream that it's being managed better yeah and like i mean like you could say the same like if you if you had a kid or like if you know someone like this who wanted to be a professional football player and you like everyone kind of knew that that wasn't possible like just if we just thought about the probabilities like you're not at the level you should be at college like there are other people that are you know what i mean um then like them pursuing that and completely avoiding all these other things might just be as unrealistic as as someone doing that for gaming right yeah but like that you would probably approach it in the same way like you got to do this as a side gig and because this 
you know, there's a probability that this won't happen. Right. Right. So set yourself up for that. Right. So you basically seek another outlet of, of, I guess, financial safety um mm-hmm. just yeah. to guarantee that that you're that you have something coming yeah. in. that makes sense um i guess i like the reason why i kind of mentioned that in the first place was like i i can't imagine if i was a parent and my kid wanted to like follow that path like do you support them and a dream that they have passion for um or do you kind of level with them and be like hey we got to talk about what's realistic and kind of like shatter that that innocent vision of like i can do whatever i want probably I mean, the latter <laughs> it depends <laughs> for, for me personally i think i would i would go with what you were saying where i would encourage it but i would also say okay we need to have this backup plan in yeah, case this doesn't right. work like they are both right like you yeah. would be yeah. supportive but also like realistic yeah that makes sense <laughs> this guy outside just tried to throw like a little packet of garbage into the dumpster from like 20 feet away and it was it was like an inch above the cover that it sailed directly past the dumpster oh, but he no. was oh, he no was so close. <laughs> oh no tragic i think he's going for a second shot oh, oh no he threw it away okay. Kobe. <laughs> yeah dude i actually for real okay so like i'm at, at this point in 2020, April 30th, 2020, uh, it's an old meme. But when I originally saw the Yeet video of that girl, like, throwing that empty soda can into that crowd of people, I, I laughed so hard just because, like, that's the perfect, like, mean thing to do. Where it's also funny because she's a kid and she just doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but it's also, like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's some part it's of you just that's a like careless. Like, yeah, everybody else. I don't give a fuck about any of you. Here's an empty can. <laughs> if you, hopefully, your skull doesn't bleed. Dude, isn't that funny that like one four second video created a new vocabulary word? Oh yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> is that a real thing in Merriam-Webster? I need to. Know I, this. It might be Merriam-Webster. Uh, it is not. However, there is the word yet. Ah, oh, but there's a change.org petition to add yeet to the English dictionary. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that our best and brightest are really on top of, what, of what's important in this country. <laughs> you know, we got our priorities straight. Ben Dover says one year ago, let's get this shmoney gamers. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the type of I love like I the it, Urban Dictionary has an entry and it's to discard an item at a high velocity. <laughs> 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 Which I think is such a funny like description. Can't you just summarize that as throw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Um okay, I wanted to run this by you guys. I had this idea that I think is potentially really cool. But because I'm not an expert in manufacturing, nor will this video ever be seen by anybody, we'll just keep it between us. How about that? Okay. Sounds um, good. <laughs> so, okay. The concept. So, so everybody has their stash of Walmart bags, right? Walmart and Target bags. Right. That is not biodegradable, right? Plastic will degrade in, I think, more than a thousand years when it's in a landfill. Um, 
So why don't we gather everybody's Walmart bags? Um, and then you use a combination of both heat and compression. So think about um, uh, what is that channel that squished stuff using his compressor? Oh yeah, um, hydraulic press. Hyd- the hydraulic press guy. So th- think think of I a really hydraulic here. I have no What's idea that? what you're talking about. I have no idea there, what you're talking about. Uh, I'm tr- I'll try to find a Google term for you to go off of. I think it's just hy- hydraulic press channel would be what you want to look up. It's it's some it's some like Norwegian guy. It's be- it's basically like just guy. a guy. So like he has access to this thing. That's like an, an expensive press. So it's, it's just like, like half a million dollars of this. Just, so this is a big metal rod comes down at like a really at like, millions of PSI. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, and then he Absurd. just crushes shit. Like, okay. yeah. And we're so, watching a video of him crushing soda cans. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, to t- take that concept, um, but now heat the hydraulic press so that we're we're kind of melting at the same time that we're actually pressing can we not um convert these stashes of of non-biodegradable materials into building blocks by essentially compressing them into um bricks or or cylinders that can be stacked on top of one another and used as a building material rather than as discarded waste that is an interesting thought. I don't know, like, how much, um, because like they have to be they have to be usable as a building tool. Yeah. If you're gonna sell them, you know what I mean. So like, may- right. maybe this is true. I don't know what the deal is because I'm not an expert in any of this. But like, maybe, like, is there a way that you could check whether or not they're like approved by somebody? You know what I mean? Because like, don't you have to like kind of have them be up to par? Yeah, so you would probably need some sort of um, governing body, you know, to to basically like, well, first of all, conduct some studies. So like, first of all, you need to do your research before you actually present this as a viable method. But like, I mean, how would you actually do that? I don't know. Um, But I guess I was thinking like, um, there's a way for us to reuse some of the some of the things that we normally discard in our everyday life um and and if there are viable ways to do that then i feel like we should be ma- we should be making every uh effort that we can um out of i mean i feel know, like like the environment they might i don't know but like i think my parents bring like all those bags to like a like i think you can recycle them a cup or whatever and like i don't know what they oh, do really? with them but like, yeah, you can definitely bring them back. I feel like you them. can recycle those and like they either go to a recycling plant and get to go through the regular process or like, uh, you know, I don't know what the deal is, but like, I mean, I like the idea. I feel like those there's a specific reason why some of those recycling things haven't taken off because I think it's like pretty expensive and like the ROI is tough to deal with. Yeah. So. I don't that's, know exactly. That's true, but. but the question is like, at what point do you say we have a responsibility? Like these companies should, they should take responsibility for the waste that they're producing and <laughs> you if it doesn't add uh, IOI, AKA like internal operating income, which is what we use at our company. Um, but I mean, 
I guess like to me, where, where do you draw the line for that? Right. Where do you say like for the greater good of sustainability, we need to throw in some rules here. Yeah. Um, well, I think I guess, typically I the way we've done that in the past is just the mo- the government does subsidies, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. the government just throws money at it so that they, you know, so that those things, are, those operating costs are covered. Yeah. And then you kind of make more money. But I don't know. Oh, it's complicated. I see. I see. It's, it's yeah, so like. They prop it up to profitability, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I don't know. I. If you were to do a, an, an analysis on, you know, how much does federal spending give us in terms of in terms of like monetary benefit, you'd probably find a lot of waste. Um, I would say that most of it probably goes towards a good place. But like, I will say that, I mean, there, there are also countless examples in history of where a government takes a uh, subsidy payment from the government and then doesn't actually do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but I don't know. It's complicated, man. Yeah. I mean, like all that I, don't, I don't really have any opinion on this kind of stuff. I just, I don't feel knowledgeable enough to give a, uh, reasonable answer, I guess. Like if you were to think about how to run the study of like how much value is coming out of, the government giving money to, you know, like if we just took that as an example um, to like corporations in the recycling industry, like how much value is coming out of that. It's so fucking complicated to do that and like get a real result that makes, that is like reflective of reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's so many things you have to control for and stuff, but like, I wish, like, I feel like I've had this existential crisis with science before. <laughs> um, of like, I wish that we could just like skip all of that and just find like very pure answers. You know what I mean? Like if the world could just give us like a stats board of like, here are the things that are definitely true about these things. And like, we don't have to go through all of the like crazy difficult, like controlling for confounding. Cause like all yeah. of the science <laughs> we do is fundamentally wrong, but like, the way that science, I mean, that's not true, but like the way that science works is that um, a bunch of people do the same thing and the trend appears over time, right? Right, right. Yep, so like yep. any one piece of information is actually like kind of useless in the grand scheme of things. Um, but that's not how we look at the world ever, right? Right. So I like, mean, you can't study every problem in an empirical, like peer-reviewed study either. Some of it is just yeah. kind of shooting from the hip, you know. For sure. Yeah, and some of I that would gets say published. actually the... <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> some of that gets published anyway. You know. Yeah. Oh. Um, what did we? You had mentioned uh, subsidizing. So, like subsidizing those those programs that are supposed to benefit society that are not profitable yeah um i do wonder so kind of you know linking back to this whole time of of living in quarantine um we we being the united states passed a 2.2 trillion stimulus bill right so we're we're adding to our federal debt um i i guess i don't know if you guys wanted this too but like we are at the point now where like our mountain of debt is so inconceivable where like not only our grandparents 
or I'm sorry, <laughs> the other way around. Not only will our grandchildren's grandchildren be paying off this debt, but like their grandchildren too. And so basically like having kind of some level of the scale of the debt, it it, it really makes me wonder um, if if we as a nation can just keep doing this indefinitely, indefinitely, like means... bailing ourselves out. When does it stop? Like 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 when does the party stop? So this might be a naive question, but don't other countries do the same thing? Yes. Isn't every country in debt to every country? Um, yeah. Well, <sighs> I guess I don't know. It's. It's a complicated puzzle because it, it it's not as if every country lends to every country. Um, because, for example, I believe the majority of the debt of the United States federal government is actually owed um, to its citizens, basically the yeah. holder of treasuries and other government debt. So, like, basically, the government owes the private sector, um, yeah. large banks who own these massive, massive bonds. Um, so... But it's just like, okay, how, like, with interest rates already basically at 0%, um, the Federal Reserve is out of tricks in order to kind of spur more money into the into the economy and, and really inject more cash. Um, so now we're turning to basically just giving money to people that is borrowed from the future. Um, so I guess I, I just feel like the United States as an empire, if anything, might fall due to the massive burden of its debt load. It's yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's so it's so complicated because like you have to dig into like what it means to be in debt. Like the, there's all these conceptual things that like, you know what I mean? Because like, yeah, government they... spending is different. It's it's a different whole fis yeah. fiscal beast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the way that they take out money is probably really complicated, right? Like, I so, don't know how any of that works. I wanted to look up to just kind of confirm some terminology. So basically, like when the Fed creates um, like a treasury, for example, that's a one year loan in which um, um, that will appear as a loan receivable on the Fed's balance sheet, which basically means it's an asset, right? So, so they say we have this, this right to this future stream of payments. And so that is an asset to us. And so um, you can kind of track the balance of their total assets. And that's how you actually judge the size of a bank. This is something that I learned when I was auditing um, for Clifton Larson Allen um, as an intern is like basically... Uh, uh, a bank will have um, loans receivable, which is like the largest part of their balance sheet. And um, one of the big risks from an auditing standpoint is actually the estimation of the loans that will be uncollectible, um, which is determined by management. And so that's a very, very like thing that auditors get really particular with. And um, banks are subject to a lot of rules around that. But anyway... I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. Yeah, I'm just like out of my element. Yeah, yeah, me too. I. It's... So basically, a government from an accounting standpoint it is split up into different funds. So one of the reasons why people don't really, let's just call it, care about the federal debt load is that like that all exists in one fund called the the debt fund essentially. So like. 
um, let's just say like there's a federal program to help house the homeless people that will exist almost as its own entity, like all of the spending pertaining to that program and how much it gets subsidized. That's its own kind of entity. And while so then like way over here is is the U.S. Treasury where, wow, we've got this massive mountain of debt that nobody seems to care about because we're all kind of siloed in our different um, yeah. areas. So, I mean, that's kind of how like know. universities work too. Like, uh, the way that university money gets moved around is, is, um, like it's sort of like a bunch of tiny corporations fighting for themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Under this one umbrella of like a giant corporation, right? Like different departments have to fight for funding and then right. colleges themselves have to fight for funding and like, um, other programs, like athletics or music or whatever have to fight for money. It's all kind right. of like just this like complex, you know what I mean? Like we kind of arbitrarily give groups to people like you're the music department and like, yeah. Instead of just being to... one like yeah. university yeah. of Minnesota. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's, it's like that for a reason, whether it's effective or whatever. But. Yeah. And there, I mean, there, there is evidence to suggest that like when you do kind of segment off different areas in like a large corporation, for example, that there are more efficiencies to be gained mm-hmm. um, because just organizing kind of how, I don't know. I mean, like that's, that's a whole line on the, on the uh, income statement of like most um, companies who release a 10 K is like reorganization expenses. Um, it's just, typically it's just a significant cost just to like make your organization more efficient. You yeah. Know? That that's big enough where it warrants its own line. On yeah. The income statement. Wow. So cool. Um, anyway, I feel like I'm kind of, sometimes I do feel like I'm speaking out of my ass. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I had a master's degree in like everything. I'm feel I'm telling you, I feel like a master's degree doesn't help that much. No, I don't think it's going to. It, what it does do is it lets you not speak out of your ass for a very, very, very specific thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's it. It's not yeah. like the thing that you're getting your master's degree in. It's the thing you did your thesis on. Like it's like a very small piece. Right. You know, I feel like as I'm, I'm a Jack of many trades and, and master of none at this point. Me too. Um, there's a book. School you of YouTube read. teaches you that there's a book yes. you should read called range. I'm going to plug it. range it's about by david epstein and it's about it's called why generalists triumph in a specialized world and it's about how oh, interesting knowing lots of different things that are radically from different domains is actually a better strategy than knowing a bunch of things about one domain does that make sense yeah huh i mean i would believe it given the range of things that you just kind of need to know about to have a general understanding of the way the world works nowadays yeah well and he, t- yeah. he points to like a lot of um i don't know like the argument of the book is complicated because like he says that some very specific things like chess are are so contained that actually you do have to be a specialist to be good at them right mm-hmm. um like that's kind of how those things work but like if you go to more complex things even just more complex sports like tennis or football. Um, Like you actually do better 
taking ideas that have been solved in other areas and applying them to this domain. Right. Um, cause like you're, you're basically innovating, right? You're creating yeah. new ideas within the domain. Yeah. Or, or like a, like a surgeon that's been cross-trained in, in five different disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like you can problem solve in ways that other people can't problem solve. Cause you have all these other ways of thinking. Yeah. I'd believe it. It's kind of cool. Do you guys want to wrap? We've been recording for like an hour and a half. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right. Cool. Uh, that was uh, either fill or feed or whatever the hell we decide to name this thing. <laughs> it was a fun hour and a half of shooting the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. It's good catching up with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Maybe we can make this a regular thing, but uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about I'd it. Be down for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So if you guys enjoyed this video, feel free to leave a rating, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. Catch you later.